Ooh, boy, oh me, oh my. That was an intro. I'm Andrew, and this is According to Andrew. Fun fact, I got really good at that intro because I've now done it five times, despite the fact that it's super simple. Anyway, this is According to Andrew, a podcast in which me, your amazing host Andrew, takes you through life and its intricacies according to me. Ooh, rhyme. I like it. We're keeping that. So, in this, our premiere podcast, we are going to be talking about me, because I feel like you, as listeners, need an introduction to me. That would be the clever thing for this podcast to have, right? Right. So, me. I am Andrew. I live in the incredible country that is Wales. I started this podcast, quite simply, to give myself an outlet give myself a project, something to do in my downtime. Um, I'm not completely sure what's going to happen with it, what's going to become of it, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm currently hoping to release every two weeks. That's the hope, if I can get off my lazy ass and actually do it, because this introduction one alone has taken me about three weeks to actually get up and do, because I'm very lazy. Also very scared. I'm going to go with that. We'll, we'll go with the scared thing, because I feel like that makes me sound more approachable as a whole. It makes me seem more human, right? Right. So, on my Facebook, I asked people in general um, to suggest what I can talk about in this first initial stream. Uh, there were some funny things, most notably the price of fish, and also milk, which... I didn't actually think would be something I would be able to talk about until I started to talk about it with some co-workers in work and I realized actually there's a lot to talk about when it comes to milk like especially considering like question of the week um what what color top do you guys get on your milk you know like do you get semi skim do you get skim do you get the 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 vaulted red top that people seem to generally hate like what what's what's that about do people do people drink the red the red top milk for fun do they do that are they psychopaths i can only assume i've gone off on a tangent anyway the point is i ask people to uh tell me what they want to hear from me unsurprisingly especially given the current climate of things given the at time of recording, you know, there is the COVID-19 outbreak, there's global lockdowns, you know, and most of all, there's been a lot of civil unrest. The Black Lives Matter movement has found yet another huge resurgence since 2016, I believe, um, due to the death of George Floyd. Unsurprisingly, this amounted to a couple people telling me they want to hear about racism from me. More specifically, they want to hear about my own experiences with racism, I suppose, and that's fine, that's fair, I get that. So I suppose, what better way to 
give an introduction into my life than to talk about racism, right? So, I'm more than fully aware that even as a a black man, I'm incredibly privileged. I live in a country that doesn't have, you know, a huge amount of overt racism. Um, especially when you compare Wales to England, where I know there's a lot more uh, police, bruta- police brutality against black people and a lot more danger for the black community, which is actually kind of hilarious to me when you consider the fact that there are more black people in England than Wales, but that's another subject for another time. I'm also very aware that my parents, throughout my life, have been able to shelter me from a lot of these uh, aggressors, which, of course, I'm not complaining about, not at all, I think. I'm very grateful for them for that. And the fact that we managed to move from Jamaica to this country rather than somewhere like America, for example, where, as we all know by now, it's, it's such a different landscape when it comes to racism compared to Wales such a harsher landscape uh, i'm you know i'm i'm eternally eternally grateful that this is where this is where they chose to to station us um and considering they're they're hopefully going to be one of my like five uh listeners for this first podcast um this is a shout out to them just for for giving me a great life but Enough about the gushing and more about the racism, please, Andrew. I'm getting there. So racism in my life. Let's start off... Let's start out small. In primary school. So, what is that? Mm, Elementary school for Americans? I don't know, whatever. In primary school, that was when I first moved to this country. I was eight years old. I was, you know, very young, very impressionable didn't have a lot of raw knowledge, as most eight-year-olds do. And then I came to this country, and I went to school, and immediately, immediately I noticed I was the only black person in that entire school. Now, of course, I'm not saying that's racist. It's not. It's not. That's just happenstance because of the area I lived in when I was younger. However, it did mean that there was a lot of uh, racist or microaggressive actions taken by the people in my life simply due to them not having that exposure to other black people. And the biggest issue that I had at that age was with my hair. Almost on a daily basis, and I I mean that quite literally, almost every single day, someone would touch my hair. And I don't just mean that they would ask, and then I'd be like, yeah, sure, touch it. I love it when people touch my hair. I hate people touching my hair. To this day, I don't even like my own parents touching my hair. I barely like a barber touching my hair. However, at that age, and in fact, most of my educational um, career, as it were, I had people touching my hair without my permission. They would come up to me, they would say, you know, can I touch your hair? And, you know, for a start, that's weird, right? Can we all agree that that's weird? 
Like, as a white person, if someone came up to you and was like, like, that you don't know, and just out of the blue came up to you and just said, let me touch your hair real quick, you'd be like, no, that's weird. Don't touch me. I don't know you. But I had that. And no matter how many times I said no, and I said no a lot because I do not like people touching my hair, they would touch my hair almost without fail. It was, you know, the age of, oh, can I touch your hair? No, please don't. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Like, it looks so cool. It's, it's like a sheep. It's like a sheep. It's, it's like a carpet. It's like my mom's shag carpet. Oh my god, Lauren, come touch his hair. Oh my god, I love your hair. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to touch it. I'm gonna, can I touch it? No, I don't touch it. I'm going to touch it. I'm going to touch it. I'm going to touch it real quick. Oh my god, it is like a carpet. Thanks. Why did anyone think comparing my hair to a carpet or a sheep's wool was a compliment? That is not a compliment. Have you ever touched sheep's wool? It is rough. It is coarse. It does not feel good to touch. Your fingers get tangled in it in an instant. It's not a compliment, guys. It hurt my feelings. Multiple times. All the time. And that continued until I went to university. Almost every day until I went to university. On the subject of my hair. There was something else, another little microaggression, if you will. Something else that, um, that bothers me. To, to this day, to this day. I'm not calling anyone out, I'm not. But there have been people that have done this very recently. And that is, people need to realize that just because I am black does not mean you have a right to an opinion on my hair. When I was younger, whenever my hair got unruly, and I thank my mother for this in hindsight, I, I hated it at the time, but I thank my mother for it in hindsight, because it, it made things simpler, but whenever my hair got too long, I'd go bald. I'd just straight up cut all of it off, I'll go bald for a while, and then wait for it to grow, and, you know, restart like a bloody chia pet, or chia? 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 Whatever. One of those things. Without fail, almost every single time, a white person would tell me, but I like your hair like that. Or they would tell me, oh, but you should grow an afro. You should. You should. Why? I'm going to ask that again. I'm going to ask it. I'm going to leave a pause. I'm going to ask it again. Why? On what grounds did people think that you had any any room in my life to try and make that decision for me. It is not your hair. It is mine. I've made that decision to get it cut. Your opinion on it does not change anything. And quite frankly, I'm a very petty person, and the more you tell me you like my hair the way it is, the more I want to get it cut even more. It sucks. It's guilt-tripping. That's what that is. You're essentially trying to emotionally blackmail me to keep my hair the way it is because for some bizarre reason, you think you have ownership over it more than I do. And like I said, this is something that is, to this day, even though I'm an, I'm an adult, I'm 24 years old, to this day, people are still feeling like they have ownership over my hair before I do. Because of lockdown, I haven't had a haircut in months. My hair is the longest it has ever been. I currently hate it. I hate it. I want to get it cut desperately. I tried to cut it myself, and I literally could not. 
the moment I put it, I put it out there, the moment I put it out there, I put it on my social media, I said, I really want to get my hair cut. I had multiple, not just one, not two, multiple people telling me, oh, but I like your hair like that. Leave it. Leave it as it is. I like it like that. I don't care. I really don't. That is like the equivalent of your overweight friend telling you, oh, I really want, I'm going to lose some weight. And then you saying, yeah, but I think you look fine. What difference does that make? Truly. They're still going to want to go on that diet. They're still going to want to lose weight. Your opinion on my hair does not matter. Most importantly, don't touch it. Please. And those are the small things. Those are the, those are the covert racisms. Racisms? Is that a word? Racisms? Racist moments. Those are the covert racist moments that I faced. There's probably more, but those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Let's talk about the more overt moments of racism. A couple of years ago, I went into a pub with a friend of mine. A couple of friends of mine, actually. Um, as it happened, a couple of them had to go home early. And another one had to go... I can't remember the details. He had to pick up his girlfriend and then come back to get me and the last friend who was left. A woman came over to us. This, I remember this vividly, actually. I know exactly when this was. This was just after the Black Lives Matter movement first made an emergence. And that's important to the story. As I was sat there having a good time with my friend, it was just me and him, just me and him. And a woman came over to us in this pub, crowded pub. And she came over to us and she kissed me. Normally, well, I say normally. There's probably a couple of people thinking, oh, what's the problem? You got a kiss. That's great. That's awesome. She was at least, at the time, three times my age. So, you know, she was up there. She was coming on 60. She came over, she grabbed my face, and she kissed me. And then she proceeded to go on a rant about how, look, I don't care about you people. I, and she used those words, you people. I don't care about the color of your skin. I'm not racist. And let me clarify, she was not talking to me. She was talking to my white friend. She was justifying her quote-unquote lack of racism to my white friend. Not to me. Not to the person who would have faced her racism if she was racist, but to my white friend. In fact, for the rest of that conversation, for the entirety of that rant, she did not look at me. She didn't talk to me. Every time she referred to me, she used the word they. They. Them. Those people. That is what I faced. So, to recap, this woman came over to us. She sexually assaulted me, because that's what that was. That was sexual assault. And then she proceeded to try and justify not being racist by being racist and not talking to me, dehumanizing me by not by using other pronouns and by referring to, to me as those people. She was justifying this to my white friend, and all I could do 
will sit there in a daze. Let's get more recent. About a year ago. No, even sooner than that. It was... Okay, at time of recording... Let me write this out. It was approximately uh, 10 months ago since, you know, this time of recording. My old TV went kaput. It was coming up close to Christmas. So it wasn't even 10 months ago. It would have been approximately... Approximately 8. Approximately, approximately 8 months ago. My TV went kaput. I called up my parents and I said, Look, I'm going to need your help because I want to buy my little brother, a really expensive gift, because it's his birthday in December, along with Christmas, he just started his GCSEs, he was doing really well, I wanted to give him something really good. But I didn't have the money to buy myself a TV and that present. So I called up my mum and I said, look, I haven't got the money, is there any possibility, you know, you can give me a little loan so that I can maybe try and figure something out to buy both the TV and the present. And fair play to my mum, literally hours later, she rung me and she said, I've bought you a TV. It was online, it was on sale, I've bought you a TV, we're bringing it over now. It was great, it was fantastic, I love, I love my parents to bits, I love my mum, I, like, thank you for that. But she brought the TV over, and of course, you know, me and my dad then worked on swapping around my old TV and this new TV. As we were doing that, a homeless person came up to my door. I I genuinely cannot remember the actual conversation that ensued, but he decided to converse with me and my father. Eventually, he turns to my father and he asks for a handshake. And my dad says, I don't shake hands. This homeless person, white, by the way, just to clarify. This homeless person then decides, oh, fine. He looks to me, he says, let me shake your hand. And I, I simply said, no, thank you. He lost it. He then said something along the lines of, I don't understand why you people get to stay in a house like this, but me, a British citizen, has to stay out here on the streets and has to suffer, whereas you people get to live in those houses. And he said that. He said, you people. To clarify, this has nothing to do with my nationality. I am British. I was born British. My dad was from London. Therefore, I was born a dual citizen. Might not have been born in this country, but I was born British. I work every day. My father, my mum, they work every day. We've earned our place here. So this has nothing to do with our nationality. This has nothing to do with us working to get what we need to survive and everything to do with our skin color. He saw us, he made that judgment, and he decided, you know what, you're black. There is no possible way that you were born British. Let's go back. Let's go to my teenage years. Let's go to my formative years. This one's actually kind of funny. Racist as hell, but real funny. In year seven, um, so when I was 11, literally 11 years old, a couple other people found out that I was from Jamaica. And they came up to me and they said, Oh, since you're from Jamaica, you ever smoked ganja? I was 11. Since I was 11. And very sarcastic. I'm still very sarcastic now. But always been very sarcastic, even at the prime age of 11. 
I then said no, but I owned a farm. He believed me. He believed that I, an 11-year-old, owned a farm and sold ganja. Where did that come from? To be clear, not everyone from Jamaica smokes ganja. In fact, I'm pretty sure my parents haven't even tried it. That's, that's, that's hilarious. Do you, do you see how embedded the institutionalized racism was with that moment? He thought an 11-year-old owned a ganja farm. When I went to uni, and we were having a sort of icebreaker day, on the first day, they asked, the, the lecturer, that is the drama lecturer, she asked, hands up if you are the first one in your family to be going to uni. About 9 out of 10 other people in the class put their hands up. I didn't. Everyone looked at me. I don't know why. They expected that for some reason my family have not gone to university. Not sure where they got that impression. Just to clarify, both my parents have gone to some form of university. Both of them. But the fact that they immediately looked at me and they were expecting me to put my hand up, it still is very bizarre to me to this day. I don't understand where that impression came from. It's baffling more than anything. And those are just those are just some of the examples that I faced. There's a few more that I can call on, but I don't want to depress people more than I already have. But yeah, that's it. That's me. That's my life. I went to university. I studied drama. I studied education. I became a qualified drama teacher and then decided that possibly teaching wasn't immediately for me. And then I became a teaching assistant instead, which is fine. I like that job. It's a good job. But it does mean that I've got some extra time. It means that I can do this podcast. Hopefully, if I don't get super lazy with it, let's hope, right? There's a lot of people that have put a pressure on me for this. Shout out to my parents. But that's me. And that is, I guess, racism, according to Andrew. As depressing and as bleak as this uh, introductory episode has been, I hope that you've enjoyed it, at least somewhat. I hope that it's shed some light on just some of the of the troubles that black people face on a daily basis. Because like I said, I'm very, very privileged that that is most of the racism I faced in my life. I'm very privileged for that. Other people aren't. I hope that you listen next time too. And I hope that next time I'll have something a little bit more upbeat to talk about. I don't like being all doom and gloom all the time. But thank you for listening. This has been According to Andrew. I'm signing off.